John Nichols. Now, John's a Washington correspondent for The Nation magazine. He's a pioneering political blogger. He's written The Beat since 1999, a contributing writer for The Progressive and In These Times, associate editor of The Capital Times. Now, that you know if you're in Madison, the daily newspaper in Madison, Wisconsin, and outside of there as well. It's a good read. His articles have appeared in The New York Times, Chicago Tribune, dozens of other newspapers. More than a pleasure to have back on the show. We love having him on. John Nichols, who writes great uh, pieces, and uh, one of which uh, we're talking about today that he wrote for The Nation entitled Mess Awaits as Paul Ryan Prepares to Ascend to House Speaker. Hey, John, how you doing? Good afternoon. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Welcome back. It's a pure pleasure to be with you, my friend Leslie. Um, John, uh, you know, first of all, some people would say, what the heck's going on? I mean, Paul Ryan, who's from <laughs> your, your state of Wisconsin, uh, said, I don't want this. I don't want this job. Okay, I don't want this job unless dot, dot, dot. Everybody seems to want him for the job. First of all, let's talk. Why do Republicans want this guy so much? And I think some people, especially Democrats, aren't really clear. Is he more of a moderate? I mean, he's just hired a guy who advised Jack Kemp, who certainly was more of a moderate Republican. And, uh, you know, th- this is, you know, or is he a Tea Party guy? You know, who is he? What is he? And what will he do, do Republicans hope or believe? Okay. We put a lot of questions on the table, all of them good. Uh, let's begin with uh, that notion of whether he wants the job or not. The fact of the matter is that Paul Ryan has always wanted political power. He's wanted to be in an important position. Uh, if that wasn't the case, uh, he wouldn't have gone over the years for these key committee chairmanships, uh, budget committee, ways and means. Those are the definitional committees in Congress. They control the money. They control you know, literally the, the flow of legislation. So he's not a guy who's averse to power. Uh, he also is somebody who always says, oh, I don't want to do that big thing. I don't want, I don't want to, you know, be out front and stuff like that. And yet, at the end of the day, he always kind of gets talked in a little more easily than you might think uh, to taking the Republican nomination for vice president in 2012, to taking the speakership in 2015. I mean, this is a, this is a politician who knows how to play the game, knows how to pretend to be, you know, just a little bit shy, just a little bit hard to get, but not so hard to get that he doesn't end up in the key position. So that's number one to understand. Now, the second part, is he, what, is he a conservative? Is he a moderate? You know, well, look, there are no moderates in the contemporary Republican Party. That doesn't exist. We We are basically assaulting the word moderate if we attach it to the word Republican. The Republican Party's left wing today would have been its extreme right wing in the 1970s, right? So the party has moved so far to the right that, um, that nobody's a moderate. However, there are some people who are rational men and women of government and others who, frankly, just want to shut the whole thing down. Ryan is more of a man of government, a Capitol Hill insider, somebody who worked as a congressional aide before he became a member of Congress, been a shut-it-all-down kind of guy. Right. He is looking for ways to, to manage the thing, to, to make things happen. But there's a final element, Leslie, and it's probably the most important one. Who is he trying to make it happen for? And the answer to that is summed up in two words, Wall Street. He is an absolute Wall Street corporate Republican more so than just about anybody else on Capitol Hill. 
you know, when we look at this guy, does his youth, do you think, benefit him with a party that looks like a you know, a bunch of old, ready to, you know, be set out to pasture, you know, wrinkled white guys? Oh, yeah, sure. He looks better. You know, I mean, and, and we have to acknowledge that as a part of politics, right? Um, I don't know that it's old or young. I don't know that it's, you know, you know, necessarily, frankly, I mean, Ryan's a white guy, too, so we should acknowledge that. Uh, but I, I do think that he has an image as, you know, a relatively young father um, and, you know, a guy who's obviously spends a lot of time keeping in shape. Um, you know, yeah, does that benefit him some uh, just from a, the, the kind of most craft-based image of consciousness? Sure, without a doubt. Uh, I think a lot of Republicans looked at him and said, yeah, that, that we'd rather have him be the face of the party than, you know, the orange guy uh, or, you know, whatever else we, you know, <laughs> Denny Haston. I mean, the, the party's had some problems. John and Caleb, we're going to take a break just so I can stop laughing about the orange guy. We'll be back with John Nichols from The Nation, his great piece about Ryan. We'll share more with you and him after this. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, happy Monday. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. You know, I told you how serious I've been about my health. I want to live longer, you know, had kids later in life, and I want to be around, so I'm doing something about it. One of the things I've added to my routine daily is called Super Beats, a circulation superfood powder that helps support both my heart and healthy blood pressure. I have amazing energy, amazing stamina. You know, the New York Times actually calls Beats Fitness in a Glass. Now, with Super Beats, I get all the benefits, but I don't get bad taste, calories, or added sugar things I can do without. Each canister of Super Beats gives me 90 non-GMO beets, and they taste great. Mix it with water or in a smoothie, or do like I do, a protein shake for a jitter-free energy boost. You will love the taste of Super Beats, and it's guaranteed, get this, you will feel the results in as little as 20 minutes. Guaranteed. Say guaranteed or what? Or you don't pay. Plus, Super Beats has a new great flavor, black cherry. It's awesome. So if taste was holding you back, now is the time to order. And on top of it, if you're one of my listeners, you get more stuff than anybody else out there. Because over the next few weeks, if you log on to LeslieLovesBeats.com, click the order button next to my picture, or you can call 800-305-6011. And when you place your order, you get... A 30-day supply extra, absolutely free from Super Beats. A free Beat the Odds book, free shipping and handling. How awesome is that? But you have to call in the next few weeks, so do it now before this offer runs out. All you have to do is go to LeslieLovesBeats.com. Do it today. Click the order button next to my pick before it all ends. That's LeslieLovesBeats.com or call 800-305-6011. Again, that number, 800-305-6011. Talking to our buddy John Nichols, Washington correspondent for The Nation magazine, about his piece entitled Mess Awaits as Paul Ryan Prepares to Ascend to House Speaker. John, thanks for holding uh, welcome back. Now, your first line, I love it. The honeymoon might be over before it begins. The pessimist that I am, John. Uh, For House Speaker and waiting Paul Ryan when he is elevated to the top job this week. One, it's a a done deal, pretty much, right? I mean, formalities uh, withstanding, he will be the next speaker, correct? I I think that there is no question that Ryan will be the speaker. And, you know, here's where where I think it's it's headed. 
Uh, Ryan placed a, a set of demands on the table. Uh, they were pretty precise, but he's shown a relative flexibility. For instance, he, he demanded that the, the major caucuses within the Republican caucus, that's, you know, the, the Tuesday group, the Republican study group, the Freedom Caucus, he demanded that they all endorse him or he wouldn't take the job. Well, the Freedom Caucus didn't quite endorse him. They they more or less recommended him. They They gave him you know, support, but not the level of support that he needed to make an endorsement, he said, well, that's fine. As soon as he did that, he made it absolutely clear that he's going to do this. And so now they're dotting some I's and crossing some T's. But, uh, yeah, he will be the speaker. Um, and I had cited not your article, another but article, which is no, no, which is yeah. not as great as your article. And oh, no, no. Paul Ryan was already rejected for a leadership position by the yeah. voters. And let's talk about that, um, because he was. Uh, you know, in, in in a sense, you know, by the voters. And, you know, do, w- what does this speak to? I mean, certainly there are those in the Republican Party and Republican supporters of his in Wisconsin that are happy about this. But what does this say to the constituency of the GOP, that the GOP yeah. doesn't listen to the sentiments and the, and the wishes and the will and the desire of the voter on the right? Well, this is, I mean, this is a very big deal. And we ought to pause and all take a deep breath here. And understand that while we're we're kind of laughing and and or at least maybe crying uh, at what's going on in the House of Representatives, that the Speaker of the House is the one individual within the House of Representatives who has, if you will, a higher calling. The Speaker of the House is second in the line of succession for President of the United States. After the Vice President, you go to the Speaker of the House. So this is a a, a very vital position, a constitutionally defined position. And um, the interesting thing about this is that in 2012, Paul Ryan was a candidate to be the first in line of succession for the presidency, to be the vice president of the United States. He made that run, and uh, everybody said at the start of it, well, this guy is going to be the, the hottest ticket around. He's He's you know, the guy is going to clarify the race. He's going to redeem uh, Mitt Romney's relatively weak candidacy at a certain point. Everybody's talking Ryan up. Well, the American people got a full dose of Paul Ryan. They had a full chance to put him in a position of great power in this country, and they rejected him overwhelmingly. The Romney-Ryan ticket lost by 5 million votes. They lost by a landslide in the Electoral College. Uh, Barack Obama uh, was the most successful president, Democratic president, seeking re-election since Franklin Roosevelt. And so the American people had every opportunity to move Paul Ryan up the ladder. They chose not to. Even his own friends and neighbors voted against him. He lost his precinct. He lost his city. He lost his county. He lost his state when he ran for, for vice president. And now the Republicans are turning around and saying, this is the guy. This is the man to lead us in our Congress to speak to the country. Truthfully, Leslie, I think they live in a bubble, in a silo. I, I think they're in a fantasy. They're putting Paul Ryan forward, thinking he's the hottest ticket around. In fact, the American people identify Paul Ryan with cutting Social Security, cutting Medicare, cutting Medicaid, assaulting social programs, and doing a whole bunch of things that the American people don't want done. So I actually think he's a strikingly poor choice for the position. 
There are a couple of things I, I want to talk about, and you touch upon not these specifically, but in a roundabout manner in your piece. And uh, one of which is, you know, if Americans really don't have that bad a memory, do they? I mean, when he had the debate, when he was the vice presidential candidate <laughs> with Joe Biden, I think there were a lot of people that woke up and said, wow, that that's Joe Biden? I didn't know that was Joe Biden. You know, but I think also a lot of people were clearly aware that with the youth came the inexperience mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. he was schooled by Joe Biden. It, 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 oh, was, yeah. it was so easy for Joe Biden. It, I almost felt bad for Paul Ryan. It was so painful. Do Americans have such short memories? And I say that because, I mean, to have someone young, I understand, can be an opportunity when you have a, a really fastly uh, aging uh, party, disproportionate to the you know votership that you desire. Um, but at the same time, to have somebody so inexperienced, how can he, and I'll make this a you know, doubleheader here too question, um, how can he do what I think any speaker needs to do, which is unite a very fragmented GOP and be able to reach across the aisle and work with Democrats and uh, have enough strength to uh, talk against the president but without uh, being so rude and disrespectful that they can't sit down and work things out together? A lot of questions on the table. Again, all of them good. First off, um, I think the same thing that went awry for Paul Ryan in that debate with Joe Biden is likely to go awry for him uh, as Speaker of the House. I don't think he will be a successful Speaker of the House. And, and the reason is this. Uh, he got into that debate with a more experienced politician. And there's a lot of people in the House, a lot of Republicans and some Democrats in the House that are much more experienced than Paul Ryan. And Biden ran circles around him. Uh, he led the nation in laughing at Paul Ryan. And I think you saw Ryan's, you know, kind of inflated sense of himself, his very, very, uh, you know, kind of blown-up ego, which I think made him think he could do this, and he really wasn't up to the job. I don't see anything that's advanced since 2012. So my fear is, and I, and I say this is a genuine fear, that he will come into this position and not be able to master it, as many in the pundit class seem to think he can, and that the House will become a, a more divided, more dysfunctional chamber than it already is. And that gets to your second question. If it does degenerate, and, and we'll see this pretty quickly because we have a lot of major issues coming into play in relatively short order, um, if it does degenerate or if it does not function, then his ability to speak to the American people, uh, I, don't think it's, I don't think he's going to go very far there. I think it's going to be problematic. He is articulate. He is, um, I think, relatively warm and appealing in his communication style at his best. And so if things are going well, I think Ryan could be a, a quite effective figure. But my sense is that leaving this house and then trying to be compromising, trying to be functional, uh, that's a hard balance to strike. I think you have to have a lot of skills. I'm not sure that Paul Ryan has them. And then the, the theory is exactly what you suggest, Leslie, that he will degenerate into the easy right-wing talking points, that, that sort of bombastic go-to-your-corner fight. And if he does do that, I, I will tell you, you suggest that he, that he was schooled by Joe Biden in the vice presidential debate, I will guarantee you he will be schooled by Barack Obama because uh, Obama is not someone who goes for the jugular. It's not his nature. He tends to be a reconciling political figure. But 
if you get down to the point where compromise is impossible, Obama is very, very effective at pushing back. And when we play this all out against the presidential race, um, I, I think that Brian, I, I, let me put it this way. I know a lot of people who are pretty close to Ryan. Every one of them that I know have told him not to do it. <laughs> so why do you think he's come, in a sense, if not 360, at least 270? <laughs> why is he doing it? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, he was yeah. completely adamant and, and, and against it. I mean, you know, why the turnaround? Is it because, you know, he likes the opportunity? I, I mean, does he get, you know, more perks, a pay raise? No, I'm just joking. But, I, no, I mean, but, se- but seriously, you know, why, why, the, why the turnaround? Well, I think there's a twofold thing. Number one, Paul Ryan is a really deeply committed Republican. And uh, I think that's important to understand. He is a party man. Um, and that goes back generationally in his family. It goes to people he's been close to all of his life. And so I, I do think that the call of the party had some relevance to him. I also think he is very ambitious, much more ambitious than, than he tries to let on. And so my sense is that combination became very powerful with him. And, you know, there's a very dangerous phrase in Washington, and that is the suggestion that your opportunity only comes once, i.e., if, you're, if, if, if it's your time, you should go for it. And uh, this is what they said to Barack Obama in 2008, 2007. You know, he was a young man, you know, just a couple of years in the U.S. Senate, and by all accounts, it was Teddy Kennedy who said, look, you know, People are talking about you for president. The opportunity doesn't always present itself. You got to go for it. And sometimes when someone does that, it works, right? And and Obama is the the perfect proof of it. He went for it. And you know, I know there's ups and downs, but history's going to record that he was a very successful president. Uh, so it worked out well. Um, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. And someone jumps. You know, they they listen to the the pressure. They listen to the urging. They go for it partially out of their own ambition, partially maybe out of party loyalty, but also, you know, a sense that, boy, if I don't do it now, I might not have a chance in the future. And, you know, when someone does that, then they're, they're suddenly thrust into a situation where they have got to make it work because it's all about them. And I have followed Ryan for his entire political career. And, you know, I think he has some real strengths. I'm not going to, you know, talk him down all the time. That's not the point. But I do not see any evidence that he has the personal skills or the popular support to get control of this Republican caucus and really lead. And so I think this is fraught with peril. I, I really do think that you know there's going to be a lot of you know laudatory headlines and cheerleading you know as he steps up to the speakership. But I doubt very much that he's going to finish his speakership with as much regard as he begins it. But, John, you know what? I mean, you know, not all the Republicans are idiots and want to commit political suicide and want their party to be further fragmented and want Congress to have even a lower, if even possible, humanly possible approval rating. And they don't want to lose control in the uh, next election. And and they do know that voters now seem to be flipping back and forth every two years. Um, You know, so, uh, I mean, you know, they'll probably, you know, maintain and retain the House just because of the uh, majority and advantage that they have percentage-wise. But the Senate definitely, I think, could be up for grabs. And we look at, you know, who's coming up, mm-hmm. um, you know, for either retirement or, uh, you know, for reelection, uh, and, you know, who's leaving. Um, 
at at the end of the day, it would seem that a handful of Republican Tea Party types control everyone else. Do they? Can they? And will they also control Paul Ryan? And let's throw the Koch brothers in with that. Well, um, do they control Paul Ryan? Not necessarily directly. I mean, he's not a Tea Party guy. He never has been. He's spoken at some Tea Party rallies, but he never really fit in. Um, Paul Ryan is a corporate guy. He is a Wall Street representative in Congress. That's as simple as that. You know, his hometown doesn't vote for him, at least in, you know, whenever the election's tight. Um, the people that know him best, uh, people who've known him since he was a kid, don't vote for him uh, because they don't think he represents them. Now, it happens he has a very gerrymandered district. Uh, which he can win and, and hold, but uh, this is not a guy who's who's hardwired into some midwestern factory town like he tried to suggest in his vice presidential acceptance speech. He's a Wall Street partisan. Uh, this is a guy who claims to be some big conservative, but he was in the forefront of back in the Wall Street bailout after the financial meltdown. He's a guy who you know claims to be tough on deficits and stuff like that, yet. His plan to balance budgets um, actually took longer to balance than the Progressive Caucus plan because he wouldn't tax rich people and big corporations. And, you know, every time he gets a chance to address any issue, he always leaps at Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, looking for ways to gamble them on the stock market. And, and so this guy, this guy is who he is. There's, there's not, a, not a question of that. It's not a Tea Party guy. It's not a Freedom Caucus guy. It's a Wall Street guy. Now, he has to keep the extreme right of his party, which is, you know, Tea Party, Freedom Caucus. He's got to keep them on board to maintain the long-term Republican fantasy. And the long-term Republican fantasy is that working class, low-income, poor people should vote for a political party that seeks to redistribute wealth upwards to make the rich richer because somehow something will trickle down to them, that their their lives will be better, or at least that maybe somebody will be tough on an immigrant or ban abortion or, you know, get rid of marriage equality or something like that. But it's it's the Republican fantasy. It, It asks people to vote against their economic interests and often against their social interests. Uh, in order to keep a small group of people very, very wealthy and to make sure that Wall Street is always on top. That's Ryan's job, is to keep that fantasy going well, we'll uh, see for if another he, few years. We'll see if Paul Ryan can uh, continue the fantasy. Many think it was a fantasy he would become speaker. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, always a pleasure to have you on the program, John. Uh, check out his stuff, folks. Uh, John Nichols is awesome, and he's a great writer. Follow him on Twitter at Nichols Uprising. You can check out his pieces at The Nation. The website for The Nation is thenation.com. That was John Nichols, Washington correspondent for The Nation magazine and also contributing writer for The Progressive and In These Times and associate editor of The Capital Times. A shout-out to our folks uh, on our great radio affiliate in Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, all you cheddarheads.